Thank you, Robert. Thank you very much. Hey, folks, we're going to um, go back into the series that I was doing before we looked at um, our, something of our bicultural journey, which we will look at some more in time, turn two. But we've been looking at this aspect of who am I? Who am I? And we've been learning to allow ourselves to let God define who we are, not ourselves define who we are, not the world tell us who we are, and certainly not the, let the devil tell us who we are, but let God tell us who we are. And previously, I looked at the fact that there was an identity theft that took, back, took place way back with Adam and Eve, where Adam and Eve knew who they were. They were created in the image of God. But the devil convinced Eve that, that there was something more than that. And since that point, people have been making up their own identity all the time. But the problem with making up our identity is that we are much more than, than our job, and we are much more than what we have. And if those things go, uh, taken from us in some way, then who actually are we? And what we've been finding is that if we will base ourselves on who God says we are, our life will actually start to get a foundation and a stability that God has always intended. And we looked at the fact that we are, first of all, God says, you're saints, not sinners. And that's utterly amazing. It's part of what Graham was preaching about this morning. We're saints, not sinners. And then he says, you're also royalty. You're sons and daughters of God. That's our identity. We're saints, not sinners. And we're royalty. We're sons and daughters of God. And today I want to share that the Bible says we are blessed. Part of our identity is that we are blessed. So why don't you say to the person next to you, you're a saint, you're a child of God, and you're blessed. Now, I will guarantee there is no one here who didn't smile when that was said to them or when they said it to someone else. Is that right? Try it again. Try and do it without smiling. Oh, I'm blessed. <laughs> Have a go. You can't do it. You can't do it. You know, if we could just begin to learn these simple things, especially this one today, that we are blessed. Because I've found many Christians who've gone like this to me when I've said, you're blessed. You live a blessed life. God's blessing will follow you and come upon you. And they kind of, no, no, no. And there are some reasons why people have that as a belief system, but it's actually the wrong belief system. You're a child of God. You're, you're a, a son and a daughter, and you're blessed. You know, Paul was writing to Christians in this book of Ephesians, and that's where we've, been, where we've been looking. And he was writing to Ephesus, which was a sin and sex mad city. Prostitution was common. Um, and when he was writing there, uh, sorry, when we were there, um, we, we had a guide who was this woman. And she said, she said, all my friends, when they get married, it's so common for men to commit adultery and have affairs after they're married. She said, often the bride will go to a clairvoyant and they will get the clairvoyant to give them a spell to put on their husband-to-be so that their husband will stay faithful to them. I was amazed as she was telling me this. But you see, the spirit of Diana is still over that region. And this was a sex and sin-mad sin -mad city. 
They had temple prostitutes where people could go and worship God by having sex with a prostitute in the temple. One of the people that was adorning the temple that was there. And so we, we, Paul is writing to a society that's not dissimilar to our society. Because ours is a sex-saturated society. Prostitution nowadays is a legitimate career choice for, for girls and, and, and boys. And we're told that today girls are paying their way through uni by videoing themselves naked and selling it online. And pornography is just so readily available in our society. And sexual images are plastered all over the malls, and it's called advertising. And Paul's writing to Christians in a society just like our society. So as we read it, it's got tremendous relevance to how we live today. And the first words that Paul says, dictated, if you like, by God, given by God to him, weren't be careful and stay away from. Paul didn't lay out the rules of how you now had to live as a Christian. He talked to them about their identity, who they really are. Because it's our identity that will make us strong and able to live out who God has actually called us and made us to be. We can have the peace and the joy and the life. And our life can become something that it actually becomes attractive to people who don't yet know Jesus, Jesus Christ. Because they look at, how do you do that? How does that happen for you? How does, how does this come a circumstance that's good come about in your life? Because it's certainly not around much in my life, people will say. He's also writing to a city where status was everything, class, wealth, perfect body image. If you had perfect body image, you could be adorned and carved into a pillar, an image of you. And achievement were being chased and sought, just like they are today in our society. Mark Anthony and Cleopatra lived in Ephesus for quite a period of time. And there were streets where only the wealthy and the royalty and celebrity could actually walk on. Um, actually, just flick on to the next picture. I've, I've probably shown you this before, but that's the, the um, looking towards the library. And right across the road from the library, that's my sister-in-law, and right across the road from the library was the, um, the brothel. And there was a secret tunnel from the library to the brothel so that guys could go and, and tell their wives they were studying and their PhD was being learnt and they would slip across to the brothel. It was, it was a city that had all sorts of subterfuge going on there. But, you know, there were streets in there um, where, uh, and, and as you walk down, the, it's, it's Ephesus is a city that's built into a valley, and the hills in some places are quite close. There were streets that were above other streets, you know, just literally at this height right there, and the wealthy and the celebrities could walk on this street, but only the plebs could walk here. And God's saying, we are not defined by any of the things that the world has, like this special street. We don't need to chase those kinds of special status things. We're defined by who, who he says he is. And the more that can go to our head and then sink down into our real life, basically sink down into our heart, then we will be stronger and more able to live well in this life. And basically, we are blessed because God says so. We're not blessed because 
of anything else other than God says, I made you, now I bless you. See, there's no God like our God that we serve and we worship, like Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is so unlike any other religion on the planet. All the other religions on the planet, their God requires people to do things for them. And that's what's so wrong with religion when it starts to become caustic, just like these things, to be able to receive his blessing. Other religions require offerings and sacrifices, sometimes even human sacrifices to be made, and good deeds to be outworked, and pilgrimages, and fasting, and praying five times a day. And, and if you go to the, and look at, examine the Greek gods, they had to be tricked and coerced or manipulated into blessing human beings. But Genesis and Ephesus, or Ephesians, the first thing God does is he says, I bless you. And I want to really, really impart this and, 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 and hopefully encourage you to put down the defenses that you are actually blessed. And the more you live in that and the more you believe for that, the more it will happen around your life because we serve a good God. It's not based on how we work. On, it's not based on how many, how many words we've said in prayers today. It's not based on, on holy living. It's based on the fact that we serve a good God and he wants to bless people. That's actually a better thought than you're responding. You know, there's a euphoria when we achieve something like a career or we get our, uh, our career, or we get advanced in our career, it feels good, doesn't it? Give me a wave if that's true. Good, 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 you're with me. Or you make a sale that you've been working on, or you get good grades at school, or you become uh, efficient and, and proficient in sports, or you get married, doesn't that feel good? You know, when, when someone says yes after you've asked them please and they say yes to you, it just feels absolutely amazing. Or you have children arrive. Isn't that an incredible feeling? I know what it's like as a man to have kids arrive. <laughs> and you know what it, those of you that are females, you know what it's like if you've got children to have kids arrive. All of the pain is forgotten the moment you've got that little thing in your arms. It's just the most amazing feeling, isn't it? Well, God's wanting us to know we don't have to strive or worry or try like anything of any of that to be noticed by Him and to be loved by Him and to mean just the most precious thing. You know, it's so opposite the world because ever since we've been knee-high to a grasshopper, we've been taught that love is conditional. If you do the right things, mum will love you. If you get the right grades, you will do well in life. All the way through, we've been taught love is conditional. You have to perform. You have to do things. You have to do that. And God says, I don't judge on any of that. I bless you because it's in my nature to be a blessing and good God. Wow. And blessing, Abraham tells us, like every other promise, is released by faith. Let me say that again. Blessing, like any other promise, is released by faith. And as we believe it, what the Bible says, and we pray and ask for it, 
It will happen in increasing amount around all of our lives. You know, I've found some people, as I said, really, really struggle. But you know, if you, if you don't want to be blessed, you will live small. You will live way smaller than God actually intends for your life. You won't grasp the bigness of the opportunities that God has for you because you don't have the resources, you don't have the ability to be able to do it. And it's true, you don't. But if you started to believe that God blessed you, you could step into things that might take you off out into scary land. Because our God wants to bless. Your identity is that you are blessed. Now, look, there are some reasons that I just want to bring up. I want to bring up two of, of why people say, no, I can't believe that, that I'm blessed um, because. And people often think that if you're blessed by God, you won't get any sickness or anything that might be life-threatening like cancer. And because they know that sickness happens, uh, they end up in, in bed every once in a while, and sometimes really terrible illnesses and disease are diagnosed over people, then they can't believe for blessing, because if they were going to live a blessed life, that wouldn't happen. But friends, sickness is the result of Adam and Eve's sin. Degeneration in the, in the DNA code and all of that is run down through humanity, and there's... A, um, there's uh, Disease and, and illness are, are things that there's a randomness to it. Nobody's sitting up there putting it on people like this. Certainly not our God. The Bible says it's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy from people's lives. And can I just remind you that God blessed heaps of people in the Bible, and none of them are alive. We're all terminal. Tell the person next to you, we're all terminal. The one thing we know in life when we get born is that there will come a day when we die. And old age and the wearing out of the body, you know, and I'm starting to learn about some of that stuff, the wearing out of the body, um, it happens to everybody. But, you know, I would rather face cancer with God's blessing on my life than try and do it in my own strength. I need his empowering. I need his blessing. I need his resource. I need his favor with surgeons and, and, and the people that, that know what they're doing. The blessing of God is not opposite to problems. And problems is another thing. People think, well, if I'm really blessed, if I'm going to believe for blessed, that means I'll be on the love boat to heaven. The love boat. The, you know, and they think that you can't, if you're going to have problems, how could you be blessed? But Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation, which means big problems. Every one of us faces big problems at time. But he says, don't stress. I've overcome the world. What does he mean by that? He says, don't stress about it. There will be problems. But my blessing can be with you through those problems and in those problems and around those problems and take you to the other side of the next problem that's there. God's blessing is for every one of us. So thinking that, you know, Blessing means there'll be no sickness, or blessing means there'll be no, no problems, is not actually true. So what does the scripture say? I'm going to read 12 verses out of Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 through to, to uh, 15. And the reason is that it's one sentence in, in the Greek. Paul just ran off at the mouth, or really he ran off at the pen. 
Because once he started talking about blessing, he just went, oh, oh, yeah, and there's that, and there's that, and there's that. And I want to mention this as well, and I want to get that in there also. Have a listen to what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 202 words in one sentence. Imagine what he'd get from the teachers you were raised with if, for his English grade. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every, say every, every. say us. us, say me, me. Every. every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. In other words, if you are a Christian, every single blessing in the Bible, every single blessing stored in heaven is yours, potentially. If you're not a Christian, they're not yours. It's one of the great reasons why it's good to be a Christian in this world. We were designed to, to be able to receive this. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, that Graham was mentioning that today, before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in wisdom and prudence, having made known the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that at the dispensation of the fullness of the times, in other words, the end, he might gather together in himself uh, or one, one all things in Christ, gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in the heaven and which are in earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the, to the praise of his glory. In him you also who trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, you know, Paul, Paul must have had to rest his hand after he'd written all this down because it just would have flowed out of him once he started talking about blessing. And he begins by saying, every single blessing in heaven is yes to you and me. And that... There's eight things that I've picked out. I'm just going to show you what, what, I, what I see in there. But there's probably more even in that passage, but it's not exhaustive. Because you can go through the Bible and you could add another blessing and another blessing and another blessing and another blessing as you, as you go through the various pages of the New Testament. But, but he sums it all up and he says, every single blessing that the Father has in Christ are yours and mine, potentially. You know, when we read the old, in our quiet times and we read Ephesians, and it says every, special, every spiritual blessing, you go past it and it kind of just sounds ho-hum. Is anyone, anyone with me? It sounds, oh, that's nice. That's nice. What does it mean? I'm not sure. Or it sounds so otherworldly. Oh, yeah, one day when you get to heaven, you're going to have these amazing blessings. But it's not about that. It's about now. 
It's about right now. If you get to heaven without accessing most of your spiritual blessings and promises and gifts from Christ, you will be so peeved at yourself. (laughs) The angels will take you to rooms that are bulging and the door is kind of throbbing. And they'll open the door and some of those gifts and blessings will just fall straight immediately out and you'll realize what could have been, what you could have had, what you could have experienced. Because remember, the kingdom of God, this kingdom that Jesus came establishing and speaking about, is not about waiting till heaven, but it's about praying what is in heaven down onto the earth and seeing it established in our lifetimes. And if it doesn't all get established in our lifetimes, I'm going to believe for it to be established in my kids' lifetimes. And some of the promises that I may not receive fully in my life, I'm going to believe that they're going to come to pass in my kids' life because they're out promises and, and, and they're heirs' promises and they belong to us and they're for our generations. But God has got so much. Every spiritual blessing is ours. Let's hope that no one from SABC gets there and the door has basically never been opened. Because when it was getting stopped, the angels came to a point where they said, that's enough, God, that's enough. And God's going, oh, no, no, we can fit some more in. Come on, give them that, give them that. And and look, and we're bringing this in. and and, And the angels are kind of pushing it in, if you like, and the walls are starting to bow. Because God is generous. It says he lavishly, well, it hasn't said it yet. In the message, it says he lavishly, which I'm just about to read. (laughs) But let's look at these eight blessings. These are the ones that Paul came immediately to Paul's Paul's mind, that people could be holy and blameless without blame. Secondly, that people would be adopted into royalty as sons and daughters. Thirdly, that people would be accepted into the beloved. Fourthly, that there would be redemption. Fifthly, that there would be forgiveness of sins. Sixthly, that he would make known the the spiritual, where where it's all heading, what what God's plan is. And um, uh, sorry, uh, seventhly, obtain an inheritance. And um, And eighthly, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now let me just read this in the Message Bible because um, it'll open it up in a way that, that the New King James is a little bit, uh, not, we're not used to it. How blessed is God? And what a blessing He is. He's the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and He takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down the earth's foundation, He had us in mind, had settled on us as human beings, as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, Jesus, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments. Now that we deserve it. 
but we're completely free of penalties and punishments in Christ. Unbelievable. Chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, Jesus, everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Could you say that with me? Glorious living. You are destined for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet, this ownership ring, this ownership sign from God is the first installment of what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. Honestly, Paul, Paul just wrote that in one sentence. It all just flowed out of him because once he started speaking about blessing, he realized there's so much blessing that's coming towards Christians. I've just got to keep writing. I can't do the right English stuff or Greek stuff. I've just got to keep laying it out. 202 words in a sentence. And really, if you want to sum up what I think this is about, God, through Paul, is saying, we're designed to live light. And we're supposed to live light. You know, all sorts of bad stuff happens around people's lives. None of us are exempt from it. Has anyone ever had any bad stuff happen around them? Sometimes we're the architect of that. Sometimes it's just stuff that happens. But our identity is that we don't have to live under the past. We are not who the, who the mistakes of the past have, that we are not the mistakes of the past living now. We can live absolutely free from everything that's happened in the past. You know, some people would have known, um, well, these, these new Christians in, in Ephesus, many of them or some of them would have been temple prostitutes up until a few months earlier in the temple of Diana and, um, and the, the Roman temples and other places. There are just many gods being worshipped there. Some of them would have known sexual sin and abuse as part of uh, their lifestyle. And Paul writes to them and says, you're holy and you're blameless. Because of Jesus Christ. Man, that's good news. All of us have done and said wrong things. But when we come to Christ, all of that is truly gone. You know, God, God forgives. He also, and I don't know how he does this, 
but he puts it completely to the side. He says he forgets. He buries it in the deepest sea. And Corrie ten Boom, who was a lady who survived the, in Auschwitz in World War II, she had a little joke with it and said, and he puts up a sign at the top of the, of, above it in the sea on a mooring saying, no fishing. <laughs> God puts it there never ever to bring, a, bring it back again. He says, as a Christian in Christ, you're holy. And you're absolutely blameless before me because of Jesus Christ. So we can live light. You do not have to live under the mistakes and the things that have happened in the past over your life. You know, last week, but you might have to fight for that. Last week, as I was preparing for this, in fact, the last couple of weeks, I've woken up every morning remembering all the dumb and sinful and wrong things I've ever said or done throughout my life. One of the, one of the things that um, I did in, when I was 27 years of age, I worked in a, in a school, Christian school, and I wrote a letter about the finances of the school, and that, that letter um, was used by, wrongfully used by the board of the school to sack the principal. So I wrote it as a year-something teacher, and the board decided to sack the principal on the basis of that letter. I cost her her job. And over the years, because of the seriousness of that, all sorts of self-hatred and self-labeling things have come at me that I could have said, yeah, that's me. This stupid person. But I've been forgiven. That's over there. I, have, I, carry, I carry innocence. I carry blamelessness as a result of that. And as I say, this, this couple of weeks, all the dumb things that I've done, coming back, I'm not living under any of those. Because the Bible says, I'm blessed. That's the past. I've learned through most of those. And those that I haven't learned, I'll come around to. <laughs> and then we're blessed with adoption. We're brought into the full status of sons and daughters of God. Now, I might be very shy in the natural, and I am, but I live very big in the spiritual realm. And no one's more surprised than me that I, I'm held in high regard in our denomination. And I've been voted onto the board of sort of the governor, governorship of, of our denomination. And, and I, I love it. And I speak my mind really clearly when I'm in those situations because I'm my father's son. I don't have to think about all the wrong things that I've done. I'm adopted into another family. And friends, if we, don't, if we don't grasp this adoption in, then some of the things that God wants us to do in our lives, we'll put it to the side because we think, I can't do that. I haven't got the ability. Don't think small. You need to take the opportunities that are before you that come your way. Just step into them and see what happens. Go where God seems to be blessing and, and, and taking you because honestly, when you're adopted, nothing that the, the father of the family wants for you is off limits. If he wants it, you can have it. And we're blessed that we're accepted into the beloved. In other words, that means that we are graced with something that we didn't have. We're graced with acceptance. And if God accepts me, that means that people will accept me. It's much better to live thinking that everyone will accept me 
and love me than to think, oh dear, can I do today? How will I go? Now, I know that I can speak quite sharply and I know that I can speak strongly in meetings and things and I can offend people, but I'm not saying to myself, well, that's just me. They need to get used to me because I'm graced with sweetness. I'm graced with, with this stuff from heaven. And you might be praying, God, give him more of it. Give him more sweetness so that he talks nicer. But it's exactly the same for you. And we're blessed with redemption. You know, the human condition is actually brokenness. And deep down, every single human being is broken. And when you get to know people, you often find some sad stories of the past of that brokenness has led into all sorts of things. But you know, when we come to, to Christ, we are not trapped by the past. We're not defined by the past. Our identity is one of being mended and continuing to be mended continually mended. You know, Jesus' blood sets us free, and I'm going to choose to always live there. You can too. And we're blessed with forgiveness, and this is the other side of the redemption coin. It doesn't matter what you've done and who you did it to, Jesus can restore your, your innocence. Whether it was to do with drink or drugs or immorality or homosexuality or fraud or violence you can be completely forgiven and you can regain that innocence that you had as a child. It's, the, it's, it's a bl spiritual blessing in Christ that is every one of ours. And we're blessed with revelation of his plan in verse 11. God reveals that he's working through history to bring people to himself and we get to see what our part in that can be with neighbors and people that we know, but he will also speak to us about other parts of, of his plan for us and God's blessed us with that. And we get the, the incredible extra that we know that in the very end, he wins. No matter what's going on in this life, in the very end, when the total board game is done, he gets all the pieces. Everything is his. And seventhly, we're blessed with an inheritance. And this speaks of God's provision for all that he wants us to do. He has provision for every single area in our lives that he sends us out into. And nothing is missing. There's an inheritance for friends. There's an inheritance for resources of finance. You know, Sandra and I have just had two weeks on, in Noosa on the uh, Sunshine Coast, and we get to stay free there in a friend's apartment that he, he's happy to, to give us for absolutely nothing. And it's just part of the way God blesses in, around our life for money that we, we, we just haven't had to worry about because there's a provision of inheritance that God gives. And it'll be, be different for different ones of you, that, that will, the way that God does this. There's an inheritance for ideas. There's an inheritance for potential. There's an inheritance for opportunity. There's an inheritance for a marriage partner, unless you have the gift of singleness. You need to pray that down into your life. Believe for it. Because this is the plan of God. You are not the forgotten child, you are not the rejected child, and your father is not cruel. His timing might be different to yours and mine, but he responds to faith. All these promises are yours and mine in Christ Jesus, 
but he responds to faith. Faith is the key that unlocks heaven. And we're blessed with God himself, which is the eighth blessing. Blessed with um, a spirit that's called holy. And his being in us, we take for granted. But people in the Old Testament dreamed about what it would be like to have God upon them or in them. What that would actually be like. And the Holy Spirit being poured out on your life is the seal of ownership of God on us. He will not let us go. We are completely safe in him if we hold fast to him. And he prompts us and he anoints us and, and, and we get to experience his communication around our life in all sorts of ways. So your identity is that you are blessed, not because of anything you ever did, but because God is God. And it's his nature being outworked towards us. And that means that the glory all stays with him because we're not the ones that are getting any, any, any credit out of this. He, get, he gets the credit because he's the generous one. Can I have the music team come and we'll finish off? Now, it's unfortunate that we have such a hard time believing this for ourselves. Usually, we find it easier to believe it for the person who's next to us or for other people, but to believe that we are actually blessed and God's blessing is going to just outwork and flow and pour over us is a much harder thing to do. And often it's because we have half-truths or lies already put in here, and they deflect all the things that God's speaking to us about, about the blessing that he wants to bring into our life. And so we have to go after those half-truths. It's called renewing our mind, where we change. We did think that. But actually, I've discovered that's not the whole truth, or that's actually a complete lie. And how you've been brought up... See, my father had... I don't ever think my father said, I love you, to me. He just didn't have emotions, never showed emotions. He did have them. He just never showed them, good ones. So my life's affected by that. And my ability to be able to believe God... That, that, those, those half-truths, those lies that God will end up acting like this because that's all I've experienced growing up have to be replaced. I have to identify it. No, that's, that's, that's rubbish. I'm not going to live with that. The truth is I'm blessed. I've got, got a blessing God looking after me. My identity is that I'm going to walk into tomorrow and next week and next month absolutely blessed. And the pain that we have embeds half-truths or lies into us. But if we will go after finding the lies and believing the truth, and I want to just give you three simple things. The first one is this, is homework. There's an old song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Would you be prepared to do that for homework and just sit down and, and actually write down all the different ways that you're blessed? It'll make a huge difference to what you see if you actually put it on paper. And then secondly, declare the truth over yourself. You're a saint, you're a child of God, and you're blessed. And the third thing I want to give you is this thought. As soon as God created Adam and Eve, it says he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. But he says he blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply. And in Ephesians, it says the first thing God did when, when he was through Paul when he was writing as he says, you're blessed. 
We've got all these blessings. I wonder what would happen to us if we decided that the first time we ever meet anyone or the first time we meet someone that day so we can be seeing people have friends that we're seeing often, but every time we meet them, the first thing we do is we're going to bless them. I wonder how our life would change. I think it would change for the good. Good homework.